0: Pursue your passion feels like common career advice these days. But this week we're asking, if I want to pursue my passion, how do I actually turn a profit? Welcome to Figuring It Out, the modern millennial playbook for life in our 20s and 30s. I'm your host, Melissa Guller, and each week we explore a new topic on relationships, work, lifestyle, and more. Now here's how the modern career fairy tale goes. Someone who used to work in finance or some other corporate job would spend their day sitting in their cubicle, hating life and dreaming of the art gallery or the cupcake shop they'd open one day. But now their dream is a reality. They pursued their passion. Business is booming. The birds are chirping and they've never been happier. Shows like Shark Tank are more popular today than ever before. And it's easy to think that pursuing your passion is the surefire way to achieve the success trifecta of purpose, joy, and of course, a ton of cash. But how do I know if my passion is profitable anyway? And beyond that, will I even enjoy turning my passion into a business or will that ruin the fun of it all? Plus something most people don't think about is the fact that if you're running the business, you are both the creator and the business owner. So how do you find a balance between the two? Well, today we have a guest here to help us learn more. Her name is Jossie Perlmutter. She's the owner and head pastry chef at Artisanal Dessert Catering Service, Sweet Affairs in Charlotte, North Carolina. By the end of this episode, Jossie will help us understand how she turned her passion for cakes into a legitimately profitable business. Plus, she answers a question I didn't even think to ask. How do your passions change when one of them becomes your business? Born and raised in the D.C. metro area, Jossie graduated from the University of Miami, Bill Cain's, in Florida with a degree in entrepreneurship. After years of testing out gourmet cupcake recipes on her friends and family, Jossie followed her passion to France, where she received formal pastry training before moving to Charlotte in 2013. After launching the pastry program at Heirloom Restaurant, Jossie went on to develop the pastry programs at The Asbury and Block and & Grinder. In 2017, Jossie was named the North Carolina Restaurant and Lodging Association's Pastry Chef of the Year, and today you can find her teaching baking classes in her shared-use kitchen, mentoring other small baking businesses, and catering weddings around the Queen City. Jossie, I'm so excited to have you.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So I'm curious, did you always know you wanted to be a pastry chef? Because when we met, we went to college together, you were still studying engineering, right?
1: Yes. So my freshman year of college, I thought I wanted to be an engineer. And I found myself in a second semester engineering lab course. And that's when I realized that I did not want to work in a lab and I did not want to work at a desk. So I started thinking about what I like to do outside of school and what are my passions. And that's when I decided that I wanted to be a pastry chef.
0: So after you decided to pursue pastry, you... Got your pastry training in France, and then you came back to your first job at Heirloom in Charlotte. And you were younger than your assistant, you were fresh out of your training program, and you had this I would say, I think it's unusual that you had to change your dessert menu twice a week. So, can you tell us more about that job?
1: Yes. So, when I first started at Heirloom, I had actually only worked for one other pastry chef. And we didn't do plated desserts. We did more just like one pastry surrounded by a sauce. So the expectation at Heirloom for me to change my menu, um, and I ended up doing it twice a week, it allowed me to try out a bunch of different techniques and flavors. And I feel like it got me caught up on the experience that I lacked.
0: I think that's such a positive outlook that you saw this as an opportunity to learn more instead of feeling frustrated that you had never done it before.
1: It was definitely terrifying. um, But when I was able to look back on my year there and look at the photos of all the different desserts that I did, um, it was a huge confidence boost.
0: And since you had to do so many new desserts, I'm curious in that job, but even through what you're working on today, where are some places that you find your creative inspiration?
1: Um, I look at other chefs' work a lot. Pinterest and Instagram is really great at connecting all of us. And then cookbooks, too. So there's a lot of, like, plated dessert books and cake books. So I love just looking at pictures and seeing what's out there with the current trends. Is there
0: any current trend that you're really excited
1: about? Um, I think right now with cakes, everything is sort of my style. It's very clean and simple. I often tell a lot of my brides, like, less is more And you can make a bigger statement by having maybe one huge feature rather than a lot of little ones.
0: I think that's a great segue into talking more about your own business. So you currently run your own business, Sweet Affairs, and you're both the owner and the pastry chef. So can you tell us a little bit more about how you got started?
1: So I started Sweet Affairs as a side project. Um, My jobs in restaurants, I was mainly doing plated desserts and bread production. So I started making cakes for friends and family. And I knew that was the direction that I wanted to go with my business. So at that point, I set up the LLC and did everything I needed to do to get legal. So by the time I was ready to pursue it full-time, a lot of the paperwork would already be done.
0: And how long were you doing that on the side before you shifted to full-time?
1: It was about two years. Um, I really wasn't pursuing it. If anything came my way, I would take an order, but I wasn't doing any marketing at that point.
0: Really? Okay. So I'm curious, what made you decide to take the leap and go full-time?
1: I knew that opportunities for pastry in Charlotte were somewhat limited. And so even when I was starting out at Heirloom, I knew that having my own business was the direction I wanted to go, go with. So in December of 2016, I got that itch. And I was talking to another baker. He was telling me that the commissary kitchens, which are large shared kitchens in Charlotte, are mainly geared towards food trucks and not bakers. So I had the idea that I was going to start a commissary kitchen just for bakers. And that would help me pay for my overhead. And then about 2 weeks later, a business who I had met 2 years earlier they reached out to me saying that they were looking for someone to take over the lease for their kitchen and buy all of their equipment. And the kicker for that was that they had actually started the first commissary kitchen in Mecklenburg County. So I knew that was an opportunity that I couldn't pass up.
0: Wow, the timing of that seems like it really just kind of fell in place.
1: It it really did.
0: <laughs> so that's really interesting. I didn't know that it started off with the space.
1: It was definitely the catalyst. Um, It was very stressful to me to think about the fact that I needed a space to grow my business, but I needed to grow my business in order to afford a space.
0: Like which comes first, the chicken or the egg, the space or the catering (laughs) service. But I think that's a smart approach that I don't know if a lot of people consider, that if you can find a way to finance your own business and get other people, in your case, into a physical space, then your own business can take off.
1: And the great thing about what ended up happening with the kitchen, I was able to fill all the spaces before I even signed my lease. Um, so I knew for a moment, one, that I would be able to cover rent. But it's been really great to see all of their businesses grow as well, since we're all independently owned.
0: Okay. So once you had your space up and running, you've got your catering business. I'm sure it'd be easy for us to assume that it was all excuse the pun, easiest pie from there. But can you tell us what some of the challenges you faced were when you were getting your business going?
1: I think that the biggest challenges were figuring out marketing strategies and then just getting clients to take a chance on you because you're a new business. There's no reviews for you online. You don't have that many photos of your work. So you have to try to convince people to go with you over someone who has far more experience than you.
0: I'm sure this is something that a lot of listeners think about too, those first customers. So what did you do to overcome some of those expectations about being a newer business?
1: I was very fortunate that I had other businesses in the industry who are willing to talk to me about their experiences. So I was able to get a paid listing online that brought people to me. But I really tried to give the best possible customer service to differentiate myself.
0: I think that's such a smart approach. And... Also, kind of leads us into I want to talk about the fact that you run this business in addition to being the woman who's creating all of the beautiful desserts. So, how do you balance running the marketing and the logistics with actually creating?
1: I work a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I work way more than I did before, but it's totally different when you're working for yourself. There's a different drive that kicks in. And I feel like it makes the work in the kitchen all the more satisfying because it's under my own name.
0: Yeah. And I'm curious, what are some of the other maybe perks about working for yourself? And then what are some of the challenges?
1: I think the biggest perk is just that I have control over my schedule. So it doesn't really matter what time I work. Um, There's a lot of traffic where I live. So I'm able to fix my hours so that I'm driving at off times. Um, And if you know i need to make a doctor's appointment or anything like that i have total control
0: mhm what about some of maybe the less glamorous or <laughs> difficult parts
1: uh, i think one of the biggest challenges is finding that work life balance a lot of my orders are weekend based since i mainly do weddings so my days off may end up falling during the week and it's difficult on a business day if you get emails to not respond so I've found that it's just difficult to unplug and disconnect. So in a way, I kind of feel like I'm always working.
0: Are there any maybe tricks or suggestions that have worked for you to help on your work-life balance?
1: One thing that I've been working on lately is forcing myself to unplug and letting myself know, you know, it's okay to not respond for a day. It's okay to not look at it. Um, because it will it will consume your life and it's better for you and better for the business if you can have that time away cuz it makes you more focused when you're when you're on.
0: I think that's such a great way to frame it that if you give yourself the time away or the time to unplug and recharge that it is better for you and the business. Definitely. Is there anything that you think most people don't realize about running a business or just something that you think would be surprising?
1: I started out with a passion for pastry, but I really thought about what would consumers buy and how would a business be sustainable. So when I thought about weddings, I thought about more expensive products with higher margins. And I thought that would be my best chance at success.
0: And you found this intersection of something you really enjoyed doing, which is cakes, and something that is very profitable that a lot of customers are demanding.
1: One of the most unexpected benefits I had of choosing this path is that I get 50% deposits on every order. So I actually have cash flow coming in before I complete the work, which has been a total lifesaver in the startup phase.
0: Oh, that's so smart. That's such a tiny thing that I feel like you could never know until you were in the industry itself. Definitely. So as though you weren't busy enough running this business, running your commissary kitchen, you've also started an annual charity event called Sugar Shock, which I'd love to talk about a little bit. So with this event, Sugar Shock, you bring together fellow chefs, I think both pastry and some non-pastry chefs, right?
1: Mm -hmm. So we have um, six different pastry chefs and then a savory chef to do some appetizers.
0: Awesome. So you have... Your group of chefs, appetizers, and then your six-course dessert sugar shock meal. And the proceeds of this event go towards the Project 658 Culinary School, which serves refugees living in Charlotte. And first, I just want to congratulate you because you've now run three of these annual events, and you've raised $15,000 and donated six scholarships, which I think is incredible.
1: It's been a, a huge honor getting to raise money for such a great organization.
0: I love that. So how did you come up with the event idea in the first place?
1: I saw that some pastry chefs in Boston were doing a similar event. And I had participated in a lot of multi-course dinners in Charlotte, but there was only one pastry chef at each of those dinners. So there just weren't as many opportunities for pastry chefs to show off our skills outside of the restaurants. So I thought it'd be really cool to bring the six-course dessert tasting to Charlotte to give our pastry people some more opportunities.
0: I think that's a great way to kind of encourage creativity is that you can borrow little things from other events. Or I know we were talking about Pinterest earlier and just kind of bring together little pieces to make something of your own. Um, So once you had that idea in place, how did you find the chefs and the support from the community to make it happen?
1: Finding the chefs was really easy. Uh, Pretty much everyone who I asked wanted to participate. And this year, we even got to the point where I shared a course with another chef because we had more than enough talented people who wanted to be involved. Getting the community involved was a little bit more difficult. I thought that we would sell tickets really easily our first year, um, which didn't end up being the case. But we've been able to grow the event each year.
0: How did you end up finding people that first year?
1: We really just posted on Facebook. Um, I hounded friends and family to try to get them to buy tickets. But after the first year, once we had photos, it was a lot easier to market it in the future years.
0: Mm, So once you had those photos, and I'm sure also the experience of the first time, how has it evolved since then?
1: So the second year, a really great event planner at Project 658 got involved, and he really elevated the decor and the service level. And then this year, we were able to get one of Charlotte's top mixologists involved, and he did three cocktail pairings, and it just turned into such a beautiful event.
0: Something that I really like about hearing you talk about the first year and how it was harder than you thought to get people, and then as it grew, you added in more skills and talent, is that the first time you do anything, it's probably not going to be everything you dreamed it would be. But once you have the first one... Then you kind of have the proof that it worked. So then the next year, you were able to get a little bit more talent. And then the third year, it evolved even a little bit more. So I think this is a good message to anybody listening that the first one, you just kind of have to push through and make it happen and then trust that it will only get better with time.
1: One thing that I've really gained from owning a business and organizing this event is extreme patience. I used to be a very impatient person but things have to happen organically. It has to happen over time. And it's okay that it's going to take time. You just want to make sure that you're doing it right and not just rushing to get it done.
0: I think that's such good advice and maybe a relief for people to hear that things do take time and that it's okay to have patience because I know I often feel this, but it feels like we should be further than we are, or that you should have found more success or whatever it might be. So it's reassuring to hear from you, somebody who's built up this great business, that it is okay to you know, take your time and be a little more patient.
1: I also think it's just so important not to compare yourself too much to other businesses. It's really easy to look at someone who's been in business for 10 years and be like, why am I not there yet? Mm-hmm. But it's also good just to look back over your year and see the progress you've made.
0: You've actually mentioned that the community of chefs in Charlotte is fairly special and that you've built up a community there. So can you tell us more about your community and how you found some like-minded peers?
1: So I've actually started a brunch group with other female pastry business owners in Charlotte. And we get together once a month. And it is so great just to be around other women in culinary, but also business owners, because we kind of all understand the struggles that we're going through.
0: Yeah. There's something so powerful about having a group of people who understand what you're doing or what you're trying to build. Definitely. And so this actually brings up another topic I wanted to talk about. The kitchen has been pretty primarily male-dominated for a while. And I'm curious, is that still the case?
1: So when I worked in restaurants... It was totally male-dominated. It was usually I was the only woman in the kitchen or maybe there was one other. And when you're in that environment, you kind of become one of the boys. But since I switched over to the baking world, it's completely the opposite. It's female-dominated. And now I work in an all-female kitchen.
0: Hmm. Okay, so what else has changed or what else have you learned since you first got started?
1: When I first started doing cakes... I thought it was going to be just so easy, and I quickly learned that that was not the case. But I knew what I wanted my work to look like, and I just didn't stop trying until I got it to the point that I was satisfied with.
0: And out of curiosity, how long did it take you to feel like you were really at a point that you were happy with?
1: I'll let you know when I get there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a great answer. Still still kind of learning.
1: I think that As soon as you're satisfied with where you are, it's probably time to change careers.
0: What advice would you share with anyone else dreaming of either starting up their business or following their passion?
1: First, when you're thinking of starting your own business, I think it's really important to be honest with yourself how badly you want it. And if the idea that you have can be profitable because especially in the startup phase, it will consume your life. And so you really need to have that drive to make it to succeed in order to succeed.
0: Speaking of passion, I know you had a second piece of advice to share.
1: I think it's really important when trying to make your passion your job, you need to make sure that you're okay with it becoming your job because you will probably need something else to replace it.
0: Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
1: So I started out baking as my hobby. And so baking then became my job when I became a pastry chef. So when I was doing plated desserts in restaurants, I started doing cakes as my hobby. And when cakes became my job, I then had to find something else to be passionate about outside of work. So I actually started doing pottery and it's been a great way to unplug, but I definitely felt a need to find something new because my passions and my hobbies became my job.
0: That makes so much sense, but I'm going to check back with you in five years to see the pottery (laughs) shop that you open at the rate that you're going. This doesn't need to be about your own business or anything we've talked about, but what's something that you're currently figuring out?
1: I think the biggest thing I'm trying to figure out right now is just how to find that work-life balance.
0: Yeah, I think that's such a big one. And I know we briefly touched on it, but is there anything else that you wanted to add about something that's been working for you?
1: I make sure to schedule time off now and stick to that schedule and then also try to unplug from my email, and all connections to the business on those days.
0: No, I think that's so smart because I think unless you actually block off time, you're just going to continue working, right?
1: Exactly. And one thing I've also had to be mindful of is sometimes turning down orders. If taking it would mean that I wouldn't have a day off in two weeks. So I need to be mindful of taking that time off so that I don't burn out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Taking the time off, I think, is not optional. But unfortunately, a lot of us have this, you know, keep working, keep earning money mentality. And I'm sure as a business owner, it's hard to turn down those orders. But if you don't have a day off, all of your work is going to decline at some point. Exactly. All right. The next question. What is one book, website, product, or app, just anything that you find yourself recommending?
1: This was actually recommended to me recently by a catering manager, but I recently started using the Streak plugin for Gmail, and it's a client management software, so it allows me to organize where everyone I'm speaking to about orders is in the process.
0: Oh, that sounds really useful. I'm going to throw a link to that in the show notes in case people would like to check it out. Awesome. Okay, next up. What is something that you wish more people knew?
1: I wish that more people knew the amount of work that went into running a business because it's definitely made me more of a compassionate and conscientious consumer.
0: I think that's such great advice. When you're a customer or a consumer, you really have no sense of how much hard work is going on behind the scenes, or there's a lot that you just don't know about the operations of the business or why things are the way they are. So I think if we can all exercise a little more compassion, maybe a little more patience, remember that these are humans that we're dealing with on the other side of the exchange. I'm sure that would make all of our encounters just a little bit nicer. Mm -hmm. Well, before we go, is there anything else you haven't gotten to share?
1: A piece of advice that was given to me before I started the business was that the only thing you'll regret is not starting it sooner. And I have found that to be incredibly true Although I'm working a lot more than I ever have, I've never been happier or more fulfilled.
0: I love that. And it's been so great to hear about the success that your business has had. And it really does seem that although you're working harder, it seems like it's been a fulfilling journey so far. For sure. Well, I'm excited to hear about what comes up next for you because I'm sure it's only bigger and better things. So how can listeners keep track of what you're up to?
1: You can follow me on Instagram at cjossiebake. I post all of my work there. And then my website is sweetaffairscharlotte.com.
0: I'm going to put links to both of those in the show notes. And I just have to make this unsolicited comment that Jossie did not ask me to make. Her Instagram is beautiful. I'm pretty sure I like every single photo because I'm so stunned by all of the cakes that she makes. So all of you should follow at cjossiebake. Again, I'm going to put the link in the notes. It makes me both hungry and inspired. I love it.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much.
0: Yeah. Well, it's been such a pleasure having you and catching up. And I'm excited to see what cakes you make next. Me too. <laughs> have you ever thought about pursuing your passion as a full-time career? Or have you actually gone out and tried it? We'd love to hear more about your experience at figuringitoutpodcast.com slash four. That's the number four. Thanks so much for joining us this week. You can follow Jossie's amazing Instagram account at cjossiebeak. Or if you happen to be near Charlotte and have an occasion coming up, check out Jossie's business at sweetaffairscharlotte.com. You can see links to everything mentioned in today's episode at figuringitoutpodcast.com slash four. Now, if you enjoyed this week's episode or any of the first few we've released so far, I hope you'll share them with a friend. My goal is to help more people take small steps toward achieving these big goals. So pass this along to someone in need of a little inspiration. I hope you enjoyed this episode about passions versus profits with owner and pastry chef, Jossie Perlmutter. I'm Melissa Guller, and you've been listening to Figuring It Out. See you next week.